meeting back to order. Okay, welcome to the Queen Anne's County Commissioner's meeting. This is a public meeting that is being aired live on our local cable television station, QAC-TV7. These media broadcasts provide county citizens an opportunity to watch and review our scheduled public meetings. In addition to our live audience this evening, we are providing remote options for citizens to watch and participate in county commissioner meetings. Citizens may watch our meeting live on our Queen Anne's County website at qac.org live or on our television channel, BreezeLine Channel 7 and High Definition Channel 507. Citizens may also participate by joining the live Zoom meeting by going to qac.org slash public comment. Citizens may also email comments to public comment at qac.org. Comments received will be read during the present public comment period on this evening's agenda. We acknowledge everybody's participation and by attending you acknowledge that this session is both recorded and aired. Press and public comment will be taken and is limited to three minutes per person. If you care to speak, please sign the sheet on the information table in our lobby. Comments longer than three minutes can be submitted in writing for the commissioner's review. We will now stand and be led in the Pledge of Allegiance by Commission Vice President Jack Wilson. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America, to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Remain standing for a moment uh, to, uh, <clears throat> for our uh, men and women that protect us both here and abroad. Thank you. All right, commissioners. Um, first order of business is the, uh, today's agenda. We have today's agenda for our meeting on July 12th and the regular and closed session minutes from uh, your July 28th meeting along with the roads board meeting uh, minutes from June 28th and the sanitary commission minutes from June the 12th. They've all been circulated for your review. Do we have any additions or corrections? None. Can I get a motion to approve? Second. Okay, I'll give you a motion to approve. And Stevie second. Any discussion? All in favor? Aye. 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 That's the loudest eye in the house right there. Right. That's a 5 0, Marty. With authority from the TV screen. All right. All right. Uh, before we start our presentations, uh, commissioners, we, have, we just had a closed session under General Provisions Article Section 3305B1 to discuss boards and commissions and Section 3305B5 to consider the investment of public funds. We do, I believe, have some appointments for two of our boards and commissions uh, to make at this time. So, Commissioner Gimeno? Um Yeah, I make a motion to reappoint. This is for the Blue Heron Golf Course uh, Advisory Committee. Uh, I move to reappoint Jim Riggins and uh, add Kevin Carr to fill the vacancies on the Blue Heron Advisory Committee. These terms will expire on May 31st of 2024. Second. Got a motion and a second. Any discussion? Seeing none, all in favor? Aye. 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 Opposed? Aye. Uh, I've got one for the Local Management Board. Uh, I move to reappoint Colleen Thomas and appoint Pastor Mark Farnell, Ashley Kaiser, Patrick Kirk, and De Dirina Julia Murga, I hope I didn't butcher that, to fill a vacancies on the Local Management Board Community Partnerships for Children. These terms will expire on June 30th, 2025. Second. 
Got a motion and a second. Any discussion? Seeing none, all in favor? Aye. Aye. Opposed? Aye. Aye. All right. All right, thank you, commissioners. Second delay. A little bit. Okay, next we have uh, our first press and public comment period. No one signed up. Okay, do we have anybody? No one virtual. Okay, we can move on to press our. Press and public comment. All right. Okay, uh, next up we have presentation from uh, Ms. Laura Price, the president of MAKO, and Michael Sanderson, the MAKO executive director. So would you please join us up front here? Welcome. Please come on by themselves. Yep, you're good. Yes. I am Laura Evergan Price. I am a Talbot County Council member and the current president of the Maryland Association of Counties. I really appreciate you um, making time for us on the agenda today. I know it was a little bit last minute, so we're very grateful to be here. And we're going to provide you with an update from the General Assembly. It's been about three months since good old Signy die. And uh, the good news is we had some opportunities, especially in the last month, to do some things in person as things opened up um, in the last several weeks before the end. Uh, there were probably about 2,700 bills introduced this year. MAKO analyzed over 900 of them, and it's very fast and furious the way it comes in to the staff. I know I am eternally grateful for all the work that they get done and a lot of that is because we are very fortunate to have this leader who is to my left, Mr. Michael Sanderson, our executive director. This is the one who keeps it all organized and leads this incredible organization. And it is a real honor to be able to serve with him this year as president. I know there's something that I've said to um, the legislative committee, and it's because of, of what Michael has taught me and, and getting things done in a very nonpartisan way. So when we meet every Wednesday, um, when we used to do it in person, and the last couple of years we had to do it mostly virtually, we really leave our political hats at the door. And that's really important um, to recognize how legislation affects our counties and not necessarily what our personal beliefs and politics are and make the decisions um, you know, based on what's best for all of the counties as a whole. Uh, with the political climate that we're in now, that's a really difficult thing to do. And it's the number one thing that I'm going to take away from the 12 years in office because I'm done. I'm not as crazy as some of you in doing this again. Um, <laughs> it's definitely something that I wish that state and federal government uh, would model more after the way MAKO does things because we've, we've learned how to actually be effective. And I think one of the main reasons that we are so effective is that even though the staff does all the legwork and Michael does all this legwork, the end of the day when we're meeting on Wednesday mornings and it is the elected officials who are taking those positions. And believe it or not, I think the General Assembly um, does have some respect for what we do. And we're the ones who are, who are driving um, the policy that the staff so um, effectively uh, gets out there to them. Um, speaking of our legislative committee, I want to thank Commissioner Wilson for being so dedicated uh, for everything he does and all the time that he puts in. Not only does he, um, you know, obviously attend and speak a lot, like me, um, on Wednesday mornings, he is the head of our rural county coalition. And we get together on Monday evenings and spend anywhere from one to three hours, depending on how talkative we are um, on those issues. And he's 
just very, very dedicated and really understands the importance of what MAKO does. So I, I want to um, thank him personally for everything that he's done. He is now an officer on the uh, board of directors and will be in this seat in just a few years. So um, I'm thankful for that. Um, but everybody that's on the committee really takes a lot of time out of their schedule, busy schedule, to, to devote to um, what we do in Annapolis. Uh, so appreciate all of the people that are on that committee. And one of the reasons that we come around to all the different counties is we want this to be more of a dialogue. You know, Jack is in the middle of all this, and I'm sure you all, you know, pay attention. But this is your opportunity to have an interactive uh, back and forth with us. We don't want to just present to you. We want to hear um, the good, bad, and the ugly, what we did right, what we could do better. Um, get clarification on some of the issues uh, that did happen in the General Assembly and up, I mean, upcoming for next year, um, and tell us what we can, you know, what we can improve upon. Uh, we want to make sure that we're involving all of the county council members all the way through throughout the year because we are your resource. So we have some um, legislative updates that we'd like to do, and I'm going to grab the first topic, and then Michael will hit the rest of them. And the one I just really love, I love them all, but the emergency transport bill was one that I'm just incredibly proud of and um, only MAKO could have had this bill happen. Um, for those who aren't aware, the emergency transport reimbursement for all of the counties was only $100, uh, hadn't been raised since prior to 2000, and you only got the $100 if you actually transported to an emergency room. And we all know that things have changed and our EMTs and paramedics are true health professionals and they provide a, a great deal of care you know, when they are responding to you in the home. And sometimes people don't actually need to be transported or they refuse to be transported. Um, we may have administered Narcan and you know, in that case they may not need to go or they may have fallen and you just don't, don't need to go anywhere. So we will be reimbursed. Um, the rate um, has been changed now to $150. I think that should go higher, and maybe we'll come back at that to increase the rate again to ref more properly reflect in a few years. But this is a, a huge start. Um, but now we can transport other places. It may just be it may be an urgent care center that is much more appropriate for someone to go to, and not just an emergency room, which of course is the most expensive form of care, as well. Um, but we will also, again, be reimbursed if we don't transport and recognizing that medical care that, that they have provided. The other thing um, where we can be reimbursed now is for the um, um, mobile integrated health. And, you, and I think you guys were the first ones to do that, if I'm not mistaken. You yep. were the model for the state. Yep. And that is being proactive. So I lovingly call these people our frequent flyers, people that call 911 <laughs> a lot. And they don't have another form of healthcare. So what are they going to do? They're going to call. They're going to call 911. And so now that we have kind of identified who they are, when we're not out on another call, we can go out and be proactive, um, and also be reimbursed for that as well. Um, in a rural county uh, like Queen Anne's or Talbot County, they may be the house call. But in a larger jurisdiction, you know, uh, Montgomery or Baltimore County, they might set up um, an ambulance service and on the on the street corner and do pre-screenings and blood work and various things like that. So now that we're being reimbursed for all these different things, what's important to understand is that Medicare Medicaid recognizes that 
as a reimbursable expense so that if somebody has health insurance, we can now bill their health insurance, not just for the transport, but for the non-transport, for the mobile integrated health. And of course, we are absolutely going to respond to any 911 call, whether you have insurance or not. But the important thing is now we can get that um, in addition. So we want to thank all of the counties uh, for their support of that. But I'm going to say one more thing before I turn it over to him, and that's about the initiatives that we do. Every year, we start. We started a couple of weeks ago with about 35 this year, anywhere from 35 to 50 initiatives that MAKO feels like we either need to play defense on and get ahead of, um, or just be, being proactive. And we had gotten through narrowing it down to we can do no more than four, like our bylaws state. And we had picked three, highway user revenues, which he'll give you an update on, and some election issues. And we were down to the last one, and it was between cybersecurity or the emergency transport bill. Both incredibly important. But we knew that the cybersecurity bill had legs of its own, that there were going to be legislators who were going to pick that ball up and run with it, and we were going to be there to support them. But MAKO was the only one who was going to have this strong voice for the emergency transport bill. And we were really down to it. And I remember Michael saying, I don't know about this one. It's got a big fiscal note. And it might take two or three years to get this one through. And we were just like, we're the only ones who can do this. And we did it. We got it done. Last few days of session, we were in person. And all the staff was working on this and talking to all the legislators. And it was a huge, just a huge win that everybody on, on all the counties should be very, very proud of. So with that, I will pass it on to our executive director. Well, thank you all very much for your time this evening. For, for the viewers' benefit, I'm Michael Sanderson. I'm the director of the Maryland Association of Counties. We're a nonprofit based in Annapolis. We work on state policy issues, and we advocate for try and support all the services that county governments deliver to Marylanders across the state. I'm, Pleased to be with you this evening. I, I want to tack on a couple real quick comments about this emergency management bill, um, just because it's a really big deal, and we had we have no right to be getting be declaring victory over this bill. We got a great bill through, and this should have been a multi-year effort. We threaded a needle, and the only way it comes together is when a bunch of things go right. Um, mobile integrated health being a part of this bill was a key way to sell it as a forward-thinking thing for larger jurisdictions. A lot of rural counties have been really concerned. Our volunteer companies having trouble recruiting, retaining, and you know, keeping, keeping the lights on, and this would help them. We're talking about whether Medicaid recognizes that this is medical service and whether you can bill an insurance company for it. It's pretty simple policy. It's not complicated at that level. But trying to convince legislative leaders who aren't cuddly with their local volunteer company and see these services differently, the idea of forward-thinking services like mobile integrated health. Like, let's go out and do 300 oral cancer screenings with people who don't have insurance other than Medicaid. Medicaid. This is, we're attacking, we're attacking health disparities, we're, we're attacking public health deserts mm -hmm. and so forth. Um, that made a real difference. And having a leading county like Queen Anne's to help say, we're doing it in Maryland and we can do more of it if you recognize that this is proper healthcare um, 
absolutely made the difference between no bill and a great bill. So we're super happy for that. Um, we distributed a, a packet of information with, which is mostly drawn from the Conduit Street blog, a way we try and communicate a lot of different issues. I don't want to go through that in a whole lot, whole lot of detail. What I'd like to do is just touch on a, a really short list of things and if there's something that I miss or something that you all would like to talk about um, further, that's probably the best use of, of your time and to be respectful for the rest of your agenda. So let me be real quick on a few things. Um, I tend to sit sometimes in this very chair and, and speak about uh, fiscal issues. And a lot of times we come back from the legislative session talking about, well, we are fighting against this budget cut or a cost shift, that sort of thing. This wasn't that environment for a variety of reasons, but economic circumstances, the state sitting on what feels like a temporary surplus. Um, it wasn't an environment for a brutal budget battle over 4 million here and 200,000 there and so forth. Um, we, we had to raise some, some local issues and one I wanna speak to in particular is kind of a, this is a little bit technical, but it's worth the, the minute or two that I wanna give it. Um, the state wanted to do some income tax relief. The governor was big on income tax relief for seniors and for retirees. And it became clear that something like that was gonna be in the sort of master plan that legislative leaders and the governor were gonna work out of how to make this year's budget plan come together. We've been saying for years to legislative leaders, when you deal with property tax policy, you usually defer to local governments because it's principally a local government revenue. Give, give the counties a local option tax credit, and if they've got the wherewithal and that, and that policy is important in that jurisdiction, they can decide to go ahead and deal with it and give a break or something like that. And that's a local prerogative because it's principally a local revenue source. For the most part, Annapolis gives us great deference on property taxes. But when it comes to income taxes, the blunt instrument has always been a tax write-off. In Maryland parlance, we call it a subtraction modification. So something you don't write off on your federal taxes, but in Maryland you can, it's called a subtraction modification. You write off a thousand bucks and it's no longer taxable income. But when the state does that to give someone a tax break on their state income taxes, that's the same taxable income that's the basis for the county income tax. We are always along for the ride on that level of income tax policy. We've been saying for years, trying to send this general statement to the, the committees that do tax policy, when you consider these sorts of things, the state could do this on your own. You could do a state tax credit and say X dollars as a state credit, and that would just be on the state. It would leave the counties to make their own local decisions. We think that's the better way for county, county budget should be decided here not in Annapolis. Um, this year, we pulled a rabbit out of the hat on this. When, when, they want, when they came away with the idea that we want to give an on the order of $1,000 of tax benefit for retirees in Maryland in a certain income class, they did it as a state-only tax credit rather than a combination you know, state and county tax write-off. It's technical stuff, like that's not gonna make page one of your local paper or even the Baltimore Sun or even for the cub reporters who do nothing but follow the General Assembly. It's too complicated for them, but in this one setting, that's a really big sea change for policymakers in Annapolis to say when it comes to income taxes, there's a way for us to do our thing and let the locals do their own thing. If this is a shift of, of mindset, that could be one of the bigger takeaways from this session. 
So forgive me the indulgence. I'm really proud of that outcome. It's a big deal. I mean, it, it is huge because we've been sending this letter for about six years and like, like an advertisement. Don't you have to see it for the seventh time before it finally <laughs> sinks in? Um, but that's why MAKO is so important because nobody else is going to carry the water and get that message across. And that that is huge for all of our counties. And what did you say? Was it 400 or 600 million dollar? If, if yeah, it had the local gone effect, local effect would have been about 600 million dollars on the at the local yeah. level if the governor's original proposal had just passed and become a big write-off for everybody. Now they weren't talking about something of that magnitude, but it still would have been a big dent on the locals. Instead, it'll be your call whether you have the wherewithal to give some targeted tax relief in one way or another. So um, I'll, I'll skip to another big fiscal issue, um, highway user revenues. This is the share of the state's gas tax and tax on vehicles and a couple other things that come back to local governments so that you can maintain your roads and bridges and your local infrastructure. You don't have a local gas tax, you really rely on the state for transportation revenues. This worked great for an awfully long time, for decades and decades. The Great Recession comes along in 2009, we're thrown overboard. We're, we've been clawing our way back since then. In 2018, we got a pretty good deal, but as Annapolis is wont to do, it was multiple years and then you fall off a cliff. 2022, we needed a bill to pass, otherwise we'd be looking at the cliff next year. So we got a bill passed this year. You put in a bill, you swing for the fences, you try and hit a home run. What I'm telling you is, we got like a seeing eye single and we got on base. So we did not get full restoration. We had hoped that that might, you know, that the, the cards might come together and, and happen. Uh, for Queen Anne's County, just the county setting aside municipalities, um, right now your share is in the, on the order of a million three, about 1.3 million per year. Starting next year, that's going to click up for three consecutive years and get up to about 2.1. Have a couple years at that level and then another Annapolis style cliff. So we'll be back hat in hands probably four or so years from now at the end of the next political term asking for hopefully a full restoration, but perhaps another step in the right direction. Anyway, we didn't fall off the cliff. Instead, we took another step forward that's moving in the right direction and we're relatively pleased about that. I had, I had hopes set pretty high. I have to deliver this as half a loaf or some fraction of a loaf. I'll hit one more side note on this one. <laughs> This was, things had moved back to in-person. The Senate chose to go in-person. The House uh, continued to stay virtual. But this is where I think we had over 20 jurisdictions. This is how small, large, urban, rural, Republican, Democrat, we all came and we sat in that room and we sat in the first, well, we didn't fit in the front row, several <coughs> rows and that power that, that you could feel being there in person. It was in budget and tax in the Senate first. And they really, they, they were at full, full restoration. Um, and, but that's how we all work together. That's why MAKO is so important because this group pulls everybody together so that we can see the big picture and not, not what happens, you know, just divided. Um, so I think, again, I'm just the cheerleader for all of this and, and to see that happen, and you know, that would be my final session, to see everybody together like that was just amazing. And that's why in-person is so important too because the next day we did the very same thing in a virtual and it just didn't feel the same. And the house was not so friendly to us. And then of course there was a compromise in the middle. But so Your first term um, 12 years ago, and mine, we, we were looking at what would we get 6.5 million chain each year for highway user funds. 
somewhere in that category of five and six million. And then to have that just turned off. Yeah, we lost 90%. We all lost 90%. So, yeah. So um, that's that's a, a really big deal. Let me let me make real quick mention of two other things that have been coming up in these conversations that um, if you want to talk further about, we certainly can. Uh, we, we had a, a little bit of a nip and tuck on the police oversight legislation. 2021 was the big year for police reforms. All that stuff, the, the big police reform bill just took effect on July 1. I know you and, and the other county governing bodies have been going through the process of creating these civilian oversight boards, the Police Accountability Board and Charging Committee. And so everybody's made a good faith effort to get that up and running locally. Um, having a county body that oversees municipal police departments is weird. Count yourself lucky that you're not Prince George's who has something like 25 municipal police departments within their county that all have to operate through this one tree. Um, everybody's got a challenge to get this up and working. Uh, the vision of having civilian oversight is gonna come together at the county level even though the state really didn't do its share with giving us the guidance and regulation that we were promised along the way. So uh, we've all made a good faith effort on that front and not everybody is quite to the finish line there, but, uh, but I think everybody's making, making, a, making their way. And finally, I'll just say um, an, another thing that's a little bit technical, but um, it, it would be unfair for me to leave it, leave it unsaid. We made some good gains on election administration. I know elections are at their most exciting when we're talking about who's going to win elections, but somebody has to run elections, and that's county government, principally funded by county government. Um, we have been relying for more than 20 years on the sentence at the back end of a bill from 2001 on when the state picks up their share of a big equipment procurement. Uh, when they bought the new voting machines in 2001, after, remember, Bush v. Gore, hanging chads and all that sort of stuff, <laughs> the state said, we're going to all have the same system. The state picked up half the cost. And we've been in sort of a limbo since then over at when does the state chip in for its own procurement and when do you just, the county just suddenly gets an invoice saying, well, your share is 62,000 bucks pay up. Um, we much prefer the former. We'd like to be part of the selection process and the planning process and have the state pick up half their share. That's codified as of this year. Not thrilling, not super exciting, but for the folks in your financial staff to never get another one of those surprise invoices where we're picking up our entire share of a state project that we knew nothing about, um, that's a really good step forward. Uh, we are potentially going to have some shakiness with this year's election administration, a bill that went through the General Assembly but got vetoed by the governor, dealt with sort of processing of elections and curing of ballots and so forth. The, the big issue is we're going to have way more mail-in ballots than ever before. There used to be a process for, um, I'm going to be out of the state, I want an absentee ballot. Then for about a decade, it was absentee on demand, but you had to ask for it. This is our second election where everybody's getting something in the mail saying, if you want to vote by mail, here's how to do so. It's going to be a half a million people or so are going to vote by mail in this election. And we still have laws in Maryland that say you can't touch those envelopes until after the polls close on Tuesday. We're the only state left that has basically 1970 styles law. So we're in a quirky spot where we're going to have probably the biggest problem will be in the biggest jurisdictions who will have tens of thousands of envelopes to start opening on Tuesday night. 
I don't know what it'll mean for a medium-sized county here or a tiny-sized county on the shore and so forth, but this may be a difficult election to literally just count the ballots. So Tuesday night could be quirkier than usual, and it's not a great place to be. No one, I mean, it's, it's, it's not, not just as a matter of practicality, but also you don't want the door to be open for people to say, hey, what's going on inside that room? It's like we're, we're ripping open ballots. Mike, so, are they, are they I, I, can you make some sort of prediction? Obviously on July 19th, you're not gonna have, you're gonna start counting those. Is it gonna be days? Is it gonna be weeks? To be, to be honest, in, in our biggest jurisdictions, like in the Montgomery County, Baltimore counties of the world with you know, half a million, a million residents and, and like tens of thousands of ballots that show up in envelopes, um, I can't fathom that they're done with their, with their counting in any meaningful way on Tuesday night. I don't know if it's Wednesday noon or if it ends up being Friday before you can actually get through. But, but the process of opening the ballot and make sure it's been signed in the right places and truing up the signature versus what's on the ballot inside is a, a labor-intensive process. Most states let you get started with that processing, the, the canvassing of the ballots early. You don't count them. You don't tell anybody what the count is, but you do the pre-processing in advance. Our bill would have said you could start on that. Um, there were other things in the bill that the governor had some, some process objections to on the curing side. So we have baby and bathwater all out on that because of that veto. So it could be a quirky year this year where we're twiddling thumbs on Thursday looking at many elections where not just this one's down to a half a percent, but there's like, we have 30% of the vote. We have just haven't been able to count yet. It'll be, it'll be weird. Mm -hmm. So just in case you needed more fun and activity to focus on with state politics. So this time next week, everybody's going to be sweating it. So, so um, that said, that, that's, that's a, a quick skip through of a handful of policy issues. Uh, Mako, um, where we, we take seriously the privilege of representing and serving county governments in Annapolis before the General Assembly and all year round with administrative processes and so forth and member education and support part of that too. So we hope to see many of you in August at our summer conference. Just five weeks away. Yeah. Did you have something, Steve? I saw you lean forward earlier. I didn't know. Was I was going for the kill. Question. <laughs> I, I always have a question. That's what I figured. On the emergency medical side, I don't yet know what the impact of that would be first on our normal in inter-county operations are EMS operation, but there's also within the county a strange phenomenon, which is our central medical facility is actually Queenstown Emergency, which delivers to two or three different locations, Easton, Annapolis, sometimes Johns Hopkins, University of Maryland. And those are billed to the hospitals that the destinations are because they're the ultimate customers. The inter-transport between the emergency ward and the hospital. But in any failure, Queen Anne's County is on the hook for the money. And you would think that wouldn't be much? Uh-uh, we're in for several hundred thousand bucks right now. And I would like, Jack, you're involved in this thing it'd be an interesting point to clear up because it's not only a strange practice that we wind up the interfacilities paying, yeah. paying the hospital's bill but typically those runs are very 
time conscious. I mean, if you're sending somebody to a hospital, it ought to go right away. There have been five-hour delays for this outfit, which is signed up to move those customers, and it's a sole sourcing deal. And it used to be owned locally. It went, ownership went to the Western Shore. It's not looking too good. Give you a good thing to do. No, it's, yeah, because we, obviously we, we basically, we're triage and transport mm -hmm. at, at our emergency center because we don't have any observation beds. So it's basically another, you're looking for another bite at the apples, what you're looking at at that point. Because the initial transport is paid for, but it's that inner facility because we can't house anybody in Canyons right. or Caroline for that matter without having a freestanding hospital. So that's our unique situation. But it could also, there's a lot of inner facility transports like Steve's talking about with the, and I know because my dad just went through one where he actually got transported to AMC, but they couldn't get an ER bed in there. So they retransported him to Easton where they could get him at. So he was literally transported around for four and a half hours before he got into an ER in the back of an ambulance, which ties up our emergency services, things like that. And there's a cost associated with mm -hmm. that, there's no doubt. So um, that may be something we have to right. discuss at a higher level, but uh, you know, it goes along with this in terms of cost. You know, that's what we were shooting for was cost. So, so I think Miko may be, able, may be able to follow up with, to the commissioners with a letter on this because I'm, I'm at about the level of my depth on the subject. I do know that interfacility transport was one of the items that got added to this bill for an additional study. So as, as Annapolis has sometimes wanted to do, hey, there's a related problem while this bill's going through, let's require MIMS and so forth to, to, to look at this particular issue. So I know there's a study coming out in that area. That's as far as I can go, but I'm glad to follow up with you all with a little more background on where that's heading. Um, this is the first county that's raised it as a county government issue, but we know that there are hospitals and facilities who are deeply concerned that that's another hole in the boat here. So I'm glad, glad to follow up with you on that. Very good. Okay. Interesting session this year, but always enjoyable. Always for sure. Enjoyable, so. well, thank you very much for your contributions. Absolutely. And Chris, even though he's just on the big screen now. Thanks, Mike. Thanks, Laura. So look forward to Mako in a couple weeks and I guess uh, figure out what the new initiatives are going to be and move forward with them. Absolutely. We're in the middle of those and we'll, we had round one a couple weeks ago. We'll, we'll do some more uh, at, at the summer conference and get those whittled down by, by September. Um, so, but but thank you for for getting us in. We were we were on the agenda, and then we got here. We weren't really on the agenda, and I'm like, I'm already here. So I appreciate that you um, made time for us. And you now, need a sheriff's escort to your council meeting. A sheriff's escort? Yeah, I better drive fast. Just nobody, you know, <laughs> clock me. I, I won't drive too fast. So, but but thank you very thank much. Thank you guys. Thank you very much, Michael. Yeah. Thank you. Good appreciate luck, it. everybody. Very Robin. good seeing you again. All right. Next presentation. Yeah. All right. Thank you both. Okay, commissioners. Next, we have uh, <clears throat> character counts proclamation. We have uh, Kelly Huber, who's here. I believe she has some guests out there. She can come on. I heard them out there practicing a few minutes ago. I believe. <laughs> yeah. Just so. Uh, Just it. I'm excited. There they come. There they come. Is that what that was? You want to turn to tab number six, commissioners? Um, tab six, item one. And here comes Kelly. All right. Here I come. Kelly. All right. We've got a big crowd coming today. Wayne. Oh. Hey, sir. Thank you, Wayne. We brought a big crowd with us today. Yeah. <laughs> See that? That's good. good. Yeah. Goodness.
Hello. Good evening. Good evening. <laughs> Thank you for having us here tonight and all your support and everything you guys do. We're joined here by a big group of people. I've got two people, Jay Kenty here. I've got Mike Clark in the back, another advisory member, and I have Wayne Humphreys. Wayne is actually one of the original Character Counts um, founders, right? I guess I would call you. The original character. Oh, the original, <laughs> I like that one, the original character. Thank you. So, um, yeah, so over 22 years. Over 22 years. He was probably hoping you wouldn't go there. <laughs> I was only five. Because he's only story. 22. Yeah, there you go. Right. So, Wayne, I didn't know if you wanted to share a little something. Well, I, the only thing, I, I just on behalf of the uh, Character Counts Advisory Council, just to uh, thank you for taking the time to uh, recognize our partners, our friends that uh, each month prepare the proclamation. It's, uh, it's one of the things I think that uh, really adds to the cohesiveness of the, of, the, of the initiative in Queen Anne's County is that from the very top on through the whole county, it's, it's uh, supported and your support means a lot because I, I, it's, uh, it's a recognition that, uh, that what we're doing is, is worthy and so thank you. All right. So as far as from me, I mean, just a real quick, because I know we have something else going on in limited time, but um, we wrapped up another school year. Um, again, it was different, um, but we were in and out, and um, we definitely had coaches. We had some videos. Um, we were able to do different things. Um, we actually awarded our teen of character. Um, she was a winner from Queen Anne's County High School. Um, as far as that scholarship it is sponsored by the Centerville Rotary um, along with us and kids the students can be self-nominated or they can be nominated by other people Brianna Schindler was our winner and she was nominated by six different community members for what she did um, and her they each one wrote a little essay about her um, so I thought that was really neat I had never seen anything like that so um, we were able to you know um, award her the scholarship this year. Um, I've been out recruiting because um, we're hoping and praying for a normal fall. Um, so I've been out at the Shore Connection, Ken Island Days, marching in that very hot parade. Um, I'm going to Queen Anne's County, uh, the fair, the Peach Festival. So we're looking for coaches. Um, and so I'm gonna be out there finding them um, and getting ready to get started for next year. Um, let's see, we have some more friends that have joined us and kind of filled the room. So I'm going to introduce the group that wrote our proclamation. Um, it is the American Heritage Girls from here, right here in Centerville. So we'll have them come up and talk a little bit, then maybe you can read the proclamation, and then they have a little treat for everyone. So um, thank you. Yes, thank so you. So we'll give them the, the chairs. So Emma, Emma's going to tell you a little bit about who we are, and then we have a presentation for you. Go ahead, Emma. You're going to sit in the chairs and break ones. Yep, you're good. You can do this. <laughs> we haven't bitten anybody in a while. <laughs> good evening. My name is Emma Coppage, and I am representing American Heritage Girls, Troop MD0414. We are a faith-based organization that builds future women of integrity. We serve our families, community, country, and God. We have served over 4,000 service hours this year. You may have seen us at the Christmas Parade, American Legion events, standing along the roadside, welcoming home fallen soldiers, and many other community events. 
We are here today to present the Character Counts Proclamation, State Our Pledge, and sing a song which represents all the pillars we stand for. Thank you for having us tonight. Good job. So if you want to read the proclamation. Sure. Is it that, yes. That's your cue, Phil. And I have the, that was my cue. I, I apologize for <laughs> <coughs> dropping the ball. Uh, proclamation 22-39. Whereas Queen Anne's County was declared a Characters Counts community, and whereas all citizens have been called upon to embrace the six pillars of character and to use them into their daily activities and to model these traits of good character. And whereas the character counts pillar of the month of July is citizenship. And whereas all citizens, including our teachers, police, firefighters, store owners, students, community workers, neighbors, family members, and friends will be good citizens. And whereas all citizens will follow the rules and the laws of our community, our county, schools, stores, sports events, and parks, and anywhere else they may gather. And whereas all citizens will help others use manners, be kind and considerate of others' feelings, and do kind things for other people. And whereas all citizens will show integrity by following the golden rule and treating others as they wish to be treated. And whereas all citizens will honor their country, their family, and their community. And whereas all citizens will work together to make Queen Anne's County a wonderful place to visit, to live, and to work. Now, therefore, Queen Anne's County Commissioners and AHG Troop MD 0414 do hereby designate the Character Counts Pillar of the Month of July to be citizenship. This proclamation was written by the American Heritage Girls Troop MD 0414. Well done. Well done. Guys, either way. Right, so go ahead and stand up and face them, okay? So if you guys would stand. Are you going to stand up? Stand up, Chris. Scoot up. Yep, um, I need Allie, Morgan, and Emma on this side. You guys can all get scooted up together. Yep. Okay. Together. Um, yep. All right, so we're going to start um, with our oath. I'm saying it wrong. Right? We're going to start with our oath. Ready? One, two, three. I promise to love God, cherish my family, honor my country, and serve in my community. Good job. And then we have a little song, and we're going to start with our leader on the count of three. One, two, three. I have a creed. I have a creed that I live by. That I live by to help me choose. To help me choose the way that's right. The way that's right. I have a creed that I live by to help me. So we have a little treat for you. 
Commissioner Jack Wilson's gonna hand these Queen Anne's County pins out. And since you guys are so good at wearing pins. And they can add those. So be, yes, wear them with, uh, with pride. Phil, get an application for Mark. Thank you. Jack. Did I miss? Oh. They wanted to stay. Yeah. Can we stay? I can stay all night. Yeah. We'd have a crowd then. Yeah, no doubt. All right. I'm not sure anybody can top that, but let's try. That's good. Move on. Well, this one's good too. We have uh, oh, our next oh, this presentation. Says we're getting the check, so yeah, is okay. a presentation of a check. We have uh, Mr. Jim Flaherty's here this evening, and I think uh, Director Steve Chanley is with him this evening. So, Jim, you want to come on up? And Steve, you're welcome to join him if you like. And this is a presentation of a a check to the commissioners, I believe, for uh, some pickleball. Yeah, come on up, gentlemen. Okay. All right. Good evening, gentlemen and ladies. Uh, the, uh, I'm Jim Flaherty. Can you move up a little bit? Of the, oh, yeah. Yes. There you go. Okay. Uh, the, uh, the original founder of the Krabby Pickleballers about five years ago in Queen Anne County and uh, started the group with about, about 15, 16 people. And uh, over the years, we've continued to grow uh, and have become. Uh, very large, as you, I'm sure you all know at this point in time. So uh, we have over about 170 registered people in the club currently, and we estimate there, there's somewhere in the neighborhood of 60 to 70 other people that show up at different times, vacationers that come down, people have other homes, etc. So the, uh, I've been working with Steve the past four years, okay, to uh, for court improvement and to get the new courts done. And we were so pleased when that was announced at the February, I think it was the February meeting that we were gonna build the 10 courts and that was unanimous, unanimous, okay, by your group. And we were just all so excited. The next day at Pickleball, it was like a, just another party that we, we have and everybody's looking forward to it. And then we had the long wait. <laughs> So, but the wait was not that long, and uh, Steve's prediction of when we would get on the court was, got more and more accurate as we got down to the day before. So, <laughs> <laughs> so, Guess, but uh, too hard, Ben. <laughs> but uh, Tony Phil's got nothing on you. <laughs> <laughs> but I can't say enough about Steve and his team and the support that they've given us and how they. Uh, guided us through when we've helped guide them through in getting the, the 10 new courts. Uh, obviously, I think they're a showcase for the community. Uh, we're getting rave reviews throughout, and it's, uh, it's very rewarding to see the 10 courts and to see the 10 courts filled up. So since we opened approximately a month ago, we've had seven different times that I'm aware of that we've had a full house with all 10 courts uh, filled up and this past weekend I think we set some type of record but don't know exactly what it would be not only did we have the 10 courts filled up but we had about 15 to 20 people waiting to get on and move through uh, the queue and it was really really neat and uh, 
Uh, it's just been so rewarding. Even during the weekdays, we've had the uh, we've had ten courts filled about five times, and that's in the morning. And I can't tell you how rewarding that is for me to see that because most of the players that come out during the weekday mornings are retired people and senior citizens, okay? And this sport has been great throughout the country for senior citizens, and we're getting all sorts of uh, rave reviews from uh, psychologists and other people who are studying the effects of pickleball and getting the extra exercise outside, uh, the hand-eye coordination that improves over time, and evidently that has something to do with cognitive responses that they think is very important as people get older and older. We have some people that are over 80 that are playing on not a routine basis, but they're showing up. We have a large group that's uh, probably 65 to 75, and uh, then we have, uh, we have a younger group as well. Uh, in the evenings, we have, we've had courts filled once or, or twice, I'm not sure, but once for sure, we had all six courts going, so we had 40 people there, and there were some people waiting too. We get a different group there, the people coming home from work, and some of our more, uh, uh, I guess, pickleball crazy people who like to go out not only in the morning, but play in the evening, we get them there too. So, uh, but we really appreciate it, and, uh, uh, job well done. Job well done. So, uh, what about tournaments? Uh, I, I've been uh, Facebook friends with a couple of folks that are <clears throat> avid uh, pickleballers, and and they travel around and they compete in tournaments, and yes. and okay. uh, it's a big deal. Yeah. Anything are... planned for for the future for us here? Or? We will be doing some tournaments. Yep. You know, entering that that arena, and I'm sure you know their organization will probably do some on their own. So it'll be a you know right. a combination you know of them separately and us separately, but also some you know um, together as well. Um, because like you said, you know you could you know with with ten courts, it's hard not to have a tournament. You know, right. somebody is definitely going to be knocking on our door to have one if we don't do it. Um, oh, we're going to do it. Yeah, so are we. Yeah, we're going to do it. So, <laughs> tournaments are interesting. There's tournaments almost every week uh, on the eastern shore here, up and down the shore. There's tournaments over uh, the western part of the state. Uh, so every week, if you want to play in a tournament, tournaments, if you win the tournament, you get sanctioned to go to the nationals. Okay, so a lot of people are really aggressive in doing that and, uh, and playing tournaments almost every week. So it's uh, quite a big thing. Uh, I've been to four tournaments on the Eastern Shore here. I've been to uh, uh, Easton three times now. They usually have about 180 to 200 people sign up for their tournaments. So it's an all three-day event normally, and they do different groups on the different days. Uh, but Saturday's the big day when it's the open tournament for all age groups based on uh, uh, where you rank in the system, et cetera. Uh, so it's, uh, it's quite an event, quite an event. Uh, but uh, Steve and I'll talk about that more later, okay? We do have internal tournaments uh, uh, that we do. We have one coming up in, uh, uh, in two weeks here that uh, we'll do on a Saturday morning, okay? And uh, we'll, have, uh, we'll probably have six courts going at once, so we always have available courts for anybody that wants to come in that isn't involved in what we're trying to do. So, uh, but we're doing that internally. Oh. Are they are the are the matches self refereed? Pardon me. Are they self refereed? Yes. 
everything's self-refereed uh, until the final games. The final games, you get a score creeper. Okay, gotcha. I don't know why, <laughs> but we do that. So, uh, but it's lots of fun. You hear lots of yelling and screaming and excitement, <laughs> and uh, it's it's just really lots and lots of fun. And I can't I can't say it for sure, 100 percent, but the beginners group, okay normally have the most people in it, okay? And they seem to have the most fun because they don't care where they hit the ball or if they hit the ball and they get excited about their good shots and all. And it's just, it's just so much fun, so much fun for them as well. So one last, I'm sorry, one last thing that we like to add is not only um, is it open to all, to all citizens to play, you know, whether it's, you know, just for fun or what have you. Our recreation department also puts on classes as well, and Jim happens to be one of our instructors. And, yeah. you oh, know, very good. I know, I know we're on limited time, so if, you right. know, if we want to okay. go ahead and, so, and do the presentation, I think it would probably be timely take to, lessons, to do Jim. so. Yeah, okay. pickleball. So, uh, as some of you are aware, I'm sure, uh, Carol Cassio uh, passed away about, uh, about eight months ago. She was, uh, did a lot of volunteer things in the community for years and years. Her and her husband were involved. She did dancing and uh, just all sorts of community things. And she started playing pickleball about, I guess it was four years ago, maybe five. I gave her lessons and worked with her uh, for probably six or eight weeks, once a week, twice a week. And then she would come and play. And I'd always make sure I played with her. I try to play with any of my students just to make, try to make them more comfortable going on the court and getting used to the, uh, the rules and regulations. Uh, and uh, uh, I got a surprise call in the middle of March by a lawyer in Easton, and she said, Jim, I've been trying to get a hold of you. I finally found you. She said, uh, you know, Carol Cassio passed away. And I said, yes. I, unfortunately, I couldn't go to the funeral because I, I wanted to go. We were busy doing something. And she said, well, Carol, <coughs> Carol left you $300,000, okay, to use for pickleball in Queen Anne County. So I, I dropped the phone, okay, <laughs> and uh, just was just uh, just so pleased and over and amazed, okay, that she chose me. But uh, she was a sweetie. We had a very very nice relationship over the years. As she got cancer, she would come in, and she'd stand around, and I, her and I would talk when she was there the whole time. I went over and visited her house a number of times, and just a sweet sweet lady. So overwhelmed with the. Uh, uh, the donation. So I started talking to Steve initially, okay, on what we could do with the money in Queen Anne County, and we looked at a, he looked at a number of opportunities, and uh, we decided that uh, we'd give a gift to the county, okay, and we also gave a gift to the uh, YMCA because they're building new courts in the county as well. So we were able to work with Steve and work with. Uh, uh, and Gill, uh, Robbie Gill. Robbie Gill. Okay, mm -hmm. and uh, so we were able to do two checks. And so what I have here today is I'd like to present a check, okay, or a copy of the check, I should say. <laughs> okay. okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. There you go. Okay. Queen Anne County, okay, is a sum of $40,000. Okay to be used for pickleball in Queen Anne County. Okay. Steve and I have discussed a number of things. We have some things that we want to do with some of the money and what we like to do, and Steve and I have talked about this at length, that we like to put some stands in there, okay, that be off the court, okay, like to put in some park benches, 
and we like to put an overhead shade pavilion. So we're still working on that. Steve's trying to design that and go for that. But just your decision to do this, okay, and being able to work with Steve has been a pleasure. And I really appreciate it. Thank you kindly on behalf of the Queen Anne County Crabby Pickleballs. Thank you. Thank you very much. Sure. Yeah. Take it. Great. Thanks. Thanks, Jim. Good to see you. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thanks, Jim. Jim, good seeing you again. Thank you. Yeah. Thank yeah. you, guys. I carry my paddle everywhere. There Just you go. in case of pickup game. Thank you. Take care. All right. See you, friend. See you, friend. Thanks, Jim. It's to be noted we've got 10 more courts coming on from the Y, so on we go. Yeah. Okay. All right, commissioners, that's all the presentations we have uh, planned for this evening. See, so we can now move into our new business uh, for tonight's meeting. So first we have the Department of Public Works. And if you want to flip to tab number two, we have a couple of items for Public Works. Um, the uh, first item under tab two, item number one, is the uh, Baltimore Metropolitan Council Agreement for the uh, unified planning work program for fiscal 23 and this is something we do annually with uh, the bmc we have a contract with them for projects that we work cooperatively with uh, with the other members of the bmc steve cahoon is our um, staff contact person for this and this is the uh, the annual contract uh, for the work this year which is for sixty thousand dollars eighty percent of that is funded through bmc and twenty percent is our local in-kind match with that we use uh, uh, shared services and support services so could i get a motion on that i move to approve and execute the unified planning work program agreement with the baltimore metropolitan council for F fy 2023. Second. got a motion in a second any discussion <coughs> seeing none all in favor uh, aye. aye opposed got one up there okay thank you commissioners item number two on page 11 is a um, right-of-way deed of dedication for the the enclave at Prospect Bay West and uh, so it's 40-foot wide right-of-way master's way that's been completed to county road standards and ready for acceptance as a county roadway I move to execute the deed of dedication for the en enclave at Prospect Bay West Second. motion and a second any discussion Seeing none, all in favor? Aye. Aye. Opposed? Five out. Thank you. All right. All right. Thank you, commissioners. Now that's all for public works. Unless you got any questions uh, for any of them. All right. We can move to tab number three, action items. Uh, we have um, first item under tab three is on page one is a um, signature request for the Mattapique Industrial Park grant. This is the semi-annual uh, progress report for that grant that we used for uh, construction of the Mattapique uh, Industrial Park down on Route 8, Sunny Shorts Boulevard. Uh, I move to approve and sign the semi-annual progress report as presented for the Community Development Block Grant number MD-11 dash ed dash 70 regarding Mattapique Industrial Park which covers the time period of January 1st 2022 
to June 30th, 2022. Second. Motion second. Any discussion? Seeing none, all in favor? Aye. Aye. Opposed? All right, thank you, commissioners. Item two on pages five through 14 is the um, ended perpetual protective agreement deed of forest conservation for the James Tolson subdivision. So, and I want to point out here, uh, if you had a chance to look at it, there's an exhibit that we've prepared for these. We, we get a number of these from time to time. It's very um, easy to see the change and what they're trying to do here. And you can see they're modifying the forest conservation area to provide for access to uh, lots number three there. So it's good visual perspective on some of these more complicated land adjustments. So um, our planning department review has reviewed this, prepared this, and recommends uh, approval. I move to sign the amended perpetual protective agreement deed of forest conservation easement document for the James Tolson subdivision forest conservation plan. Second. Motion and second. Any discussion? Seeing none, all in favor? Aye. Aye. Opposed? Five up. Okay. All right. Thanks, commissioners. Uh, item number three on page uh, 15 is a similar agreement. This is for the Sam Kern Administrative Subdivision. This is the third amended deed of open space easement for that project. I move to sign the third amended deed of open space easement for the Samuel Kern Administrative Subdivision. Second. Get a motion and a second. Any discussion? Seeing none, all in favor? Aye. Aye. Opposed? Stevie, you and I? You're oh, yeah. Okay. Five five up. All right. All right. Thanks, commissioners. Item number four on, on uh, page 24 through 39 is a citizen sponsored text amendment number 22 03, repeal of woodland provisions. And this is a citizen sponsored text amendment application submitted by Mr. Barry Waterman. Uh, it has gone to the Planning Commission. They have reviewed it and made a favorable recommendation, so it is available now for introduction and scheduling of a public hearing. I move to introduce and schedule a public hearing regarding TA-CO number 22-03 as favorably reviewed by Planning Commission. Second. Motion and a second. Any discussion? Seeing none, all in favor? Aye. 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 Opposed? Five votes. Okay. Thank you, commissioners. Uh, item number five uh, on page 40 is uh, another citizen-sponsored text amendment number 2205, major extraction on a non-contiguous non parcel. This one was actually withdrawn by the applicant earlier um, this week. So this one's um, no need for any action on this particular text amendment. Okay. Number six. I'll table that. All right, our next item, number six, on page uh, 72 is citizen-sponsored text amendment number 2207 for bonus density on mixed-use residential density in the Waterfront Village Center. This is proposed by Jamal's of Kent Narrows, LLC. And this also got a favorable, favorable recommendation by the Planning Commission, and uh, so the action tonight would be to schedule a public hearing, introduce and schedule a public hearing. Make it a motion. Uh, I move to introduce and schedule a public hearing regarding text amendment slash county ordinance number 22-07 as favorably reviewed by the Planning Commission. Second. I'll second. Okay. All in favor? 
Aye. Aye. Opposed? 5-0. All right, it's just a hearing. And I believe we're going to set those two hearings for, do we have a date? Yes. Uh, Ms. Halk? Yes, um, August the 9th. August the 9th for those two hearings. Okay. All right, thank you. Okay, number seven. All right, uh, action item number seven on page 97 is um, the minor subdivision termination of open space easement for the Wilson Walls subdivision. This is a termination of open space uh, as a result of their creation of a slide scale uh, lot. Get a motion. I move to sign the termination of open space easement document for the A. Wilson Walls Farm LLC minor subdivision number 21-11-0273. Second. Got a motion and a second. Any discussion? All in favor? Mm, aye. 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 Okay. All right. Thank you, commissioners. Uh, some good news now. Um, item number eight <laughs> is a... Um, from Chesapeake College, and uh, this is a revised FY23 budget and uh, fund balance request from the college. They received an additional $1.3 million uh, from the Senator John A. Cade funding formula for their, as a result of the Budget and Reconciliation Financing Act. This will go towards their uh, teacher salaries, and they also are requesting a one-time fund balance uh, transfer of $100,000 for several projects. The um, Queenie Inn technical building program statement consultants to hire some folks to help them with that and a new software system to provide for applicant tracking and onboarding of professional development for human resources and uh, no additional county dollars from the supporting counties is required um, if you want dr coppersmith to come in and present anything on this he can I, I know several of the other counties have already approved this they just need all, all five counties to endorse this change I move to approve the Chesapeake College revised FY 2023 budget by function $26,332,082 and the request for a one-time fund balance transfer of $100,000 for the designated projects. Second. Got a motion and a second. Any discussion? I didn't know we had any uh, oversight of the segmentation of their funds. Well, this is, uh, this is we, we have the ability to... Um, the counties for any transfers from fund balance over for projects and then this is just to approve their overall budget because they got additional funds from the yeah, from yeah. the state which is yeah. which is good it's not an objection it's a question yeah. Yeah. any further discussion seeing none all in favor aye, aye. opposed aye. okay all right thank you commissioners and uh, item number nine our last uh, action item this evening is the um Standard letter we receive each year for the county's financial audit, which outlines terms and conditions for the uh, engagement. Um, this is from UHY, which is the uh, the old TMG corporation. It has merged now. It's a larger firm now. Same auditing company we've used for a number of years. I'd like to have Commissioner Corcherino sign the audit engagement letter. Second. second. Motion and a second. Any discussion? Seeing none, all in favor? Aye. Aye. Opposed? Aye. Five oh. All right. I think that's all right. It. Thank you, commissioners. That is all of the action items we had this evening. Unless you had anything else uh, for myself. Nope. Okay. All right. Uh, we have um, 
Press and public comments, part two. Is there anybody for press and public comments? Anybody sign up outside? No. Yeah. Ask if anybody. Anybody in the room? Press and public comment. All right, we'll close it. All right. Round time table. Mm -hmm. uh, Stevie, you want to start off? Uh, please, no. Go ahead, somebody else. <laughs> you know what? I'll tell you what. I'll go I first. Have, I have to come. I'll, I'll go, go first. first. I'll go first. Um, I, I just I. I Earlier, for the folks that missed it um, and for the folks that you know, are watching at home, we, we had a great presentation from our representatives um, from MAKO. And, and I think I would be remiss if I didn't um, <clears throat> mention uh, Jack's uh, commitment over the years to MAKO and the fact that he's a board member and the hard work and the hours that he puts in uh, above and beyond his responsibilities as a commissioner. Um, and, and I know that uh, he is slotted to be the MAKO president, uh, which would go a long way for Queen Anne's County. Uh, he's slotted to be president in two years. So, Jack, thank you very much for all your hard work. And, and it's much appreciated for the people to understand the great work that MAKO does and, uh, and your effort to hold up um, Queen Anne's County's end. Thank you. Thank you. Well, I have. Jim? I, I really, uh, along those lines, uh, Todd and I will be venturing out of the out of town here next week uh, right on the 20th uh, for the Baltimore Metropolitan Council we're going to Detroit uh, I said as a, as a board member there and Todd's coming along to keep me straight but uh, we, we're going to spend three days with other county execs and look at Detroit and what they're doing and hopefully that that'll translate for some cures and fix-alls for city of Baltimore but uh, it was interesting to find out about the uh, the, the ballots. So there'll be some people on that plane that might not know if they even won yet. So wow. moving forward. So that, that ought to be interesting. But uh, <laughs> looking forward to uh, going to Detroit. So something different. Very good. Yeah. It's also important to have representation uh, here in Queen Anne's County on that board. Oh, yeah. That's a lot of yeah. time that you put in for that, Jim. Yeah. Well, now, yeah. Now, now we're going to get the HUR money back. Well, I mean, Please. obviously, the, well, he, you heard him say that the cliff is <laughs> the yeah. cliff is imminent. It's just you know, every time you get up to the cliff, they get a few more crumbs thrown at them. But it's yeah, I, I, honestly, Stevie, and that's a great question. And, and I didn't really want to prolong it with Michael here. But um, it's one that's actually bannered about a lot is the fact that obviously most people understand or don't understand HURs are derived from gas tax and uh, vehicle registration fees and the various things that go through MVA and all, you know that's how we get it and the question's been asked it's been asked several different times and never really kind of got a good answer is you know we're going to try to make this move to electric vehicles you know primarily electric vehicles well if gas tax is your primary source of highway user revenues and you no longer need gas how do they do it and there's been things floated out there like oh we'll track mileage we'll do this and that and you know how about electric usage on the grid and that's one of the things I brought up coming from that side is how I think is, you know, we're not taxing the, the fuel industry anymore, but we still have to make the energy at everybody's homes to charge their cars every night or at every, you know, retail spot. Um, where's all that electric going to come from to do that? And how are you monitoring or metering that to maybe capture revenue on that side? So they've got a lot of thinking to do because as that dwindles, the likelihood of us ever being fully restored to HURs also dwindles because that pot of money is going to grow smaller if, you know, we truly do make that shift to all electric vehicles, which I don't think I'll see in my lifetime. But um, again, it's just part of the 
the whole mechanism with how they develop those dollars that is changing now, you know, based on what we're doing. Well, it certainly does raise an interesting point because electric vehicles get their electric, which is generated by gas, which natural gas, which has gone from $2 to $6 in the last year. Right. And the idea that electric is going to stay at this cost is going to be an interesting question. This is going to impose a real burden on a lot of people who heat with electric and use electric. So. Yeah, no doubt. And, and not, not to mention the, and, and the cost, the capital cost to most homeowners who, <clears throat> if they have two cars and they want to charge them both at night, you're talking about anywhere from a 30 to 60 amp um, additional breaker required in your house. And if you're in an all-electric house, smaller house, even 2,000 square feet or below, you're probably close to the panel's uh, Max. capacity at that point anyway. Mm -hmm. so, now you're going to have to, so now people are going to have to go out and pay for heavy ups at their houses. You know, you got a 1,500 square foot home, but you need a 400 amp service because you got two cars that you got to charge every night. You know, so there's there's a lot of challenges coming with that whole thing that they just don't talk about every day. That's all. So. Yeah, because it takes the fairness away in a sense. If you charged it by vehicle, then light users w would wind up paying the same. Where gasoline, that's it. It's, it's more. Uh, it's definitely got an economic side to it. That's for sure. Yeah. Anyway, Chris. Uh, well, I've enjoyed uh, lording over you guys from the big screen today. I want to thank Commissioner Wilson for stepping up to lead the meeting to accommodate my schedule. Um, remind all the people, primaries Tuesday, please get out and vote. Uh, Commissioner Moran and Todd, enjoy the, uh, the county private jet to uh, Detroit. Have a nice time. <laughs> okay. Really, that's what you're ending with? The county private jet? <laughs> Because then everybody on Facebook, they have a jet. <laughs> Did we get one yet, Bruce? Yeah, it's electric. You already got one for it? Okay. It's an electric jet. Yeah. Um, yeah, I just want to kind of dovetail what Chris said about uh, elections. Let's just all remember our, our proclamation tonight was citizenship. Um, elections can sometimes bring out the worst side of people. Um, but at the end of the day, we all have to remember uh, well, hopefully it was going to be July 19th someday, but maybe July 26th we'll find out. And, and just remember, we all got to coalesce and wake up the next morning. We're neighbors and family and friends and all that. And, and the elections, though they have consequences, they are not the end of the world for at least in the United States, thank God. So that's all I got. So far. I make a motion to adjourn. Second. Motion to second. So moved. Ooh.